0: Hi, it's Neville McKenzie here with the Asia Tech podcast. And today my guest is Ealing Lim. Ealing, can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, Neville. Nice to really be on this show. Um, so, a little bit of introduction to myself I am the CEO and the co founder of Smarter Me. We are an online school that really wants to equip kids and teenagers with the skill set, the heart set, and the mindset for the future. So, before starting Smarter Me, um, I used to be an investment banker for almost 10 years.
0: Yeah. So how did you go from investment banking to an interest in education?
1: I I think it's really, um, you know, there was no real one moment per se, but I think since young, I've always wanted to one day retire, set up my own preschool teaching art and craft. And, you know, in the past few years with tech being so prominent uh, and so predominant, and in banking days, I used to cover consumer and technology. So I really saw how technology was being used to, improve lives to disrupt what's the status quo right and then one day i look at my two kids going through school um the same way i had gone through and i realized that really while the world has changed education hasn't right we talk about edu being used in certain classes for example but by and large what the kids today are still learning in school hasn't changed in the past few decades While us outside, we are adults, we are talking about upscaling. Um, The Singapore government is pumping a lot of money into upscaling the adults as well. But yet kids, right? They are not learning anything to do with AI. They are not learning about blockchain technology. They are not learning about digital marketing or even digital design. And all those came together and really made me and my partner decide that, you know, we were going to do something different. We were going to start up SmarterMe and really help inspire these kids and teens um, to be more than who they thought they were capable of being.
0: So how old were your children?
1: Nine and 12.
0: Nine and 12. Yeah. And you aimed the school at what age group?
1: Nine to 17.
0: Nine to 17. Yes. So you're planning for their future from <laughs> an early start. Yeah. Okay. So can you just tell me about the mission? Um, I think we've got a slide here um, that we can bring up. Yeah. That's the one there.
1: Yeah. yeah? So, uh, so I mean, our why our purpose is really this, which is to prepare kids and teenagers with the skill set, the mindset and the heart set for the future. So what do we mean by that, right? So we talk about skill set. Skill set is tech skills to start with, right? So we teach coding, we teach robotics, but the truth is in 20 years down the road, we have no idea what jobs are going to be out there, right? What we know is that change is constant and change is probably all we can bet on. And so with that, what do our kids really need to succeed in the future? Um, They need to, number one, be very self-aware. They need to know what they like, what their strengths are, how to leverage on that, what their purpose is really. Uh, And secondly, also have that resilience, knowing that change is just going to happen and they need to be persistent and resilient enough to go with it. Uh, And so that's why while we teach coding and robotics, we also teach entrepreneurship, which is where the critical thinking skills and problem-solving skills come into play. We teach design thinking, which really where we emphasize a lot on empathizing with users. So better understanding of others and hopefully during that process, better understanding of yourself as well. And what, I, what I'm what i personally very passionate about is that throughout underlying all our courses, we actually have a mindfulness module. So I use the term mindfulness quite loosely. Um, it, we don't teach meditation, but rather what we teach is strength finding. We teach um Positive mindset, growth mindset, and all this come together to help them really just be more self-aware.
0: So you're teaching like an, you're looking at an all-round program yes. for for the students. Yes. So, um, you, so you mentioned what, coding, and robotics, robotics and, entrepreneurship, yeah. design thinking. Yeah. Well, my background was an engineer, and um, one of the things I deliberately kept from was coding. Yeah. Um, which. As things have moved along, what I found is that I don't need to code today. So why do you think coding will be important? And what? Because when I, when I create a website, I use um, if you know something like WordPress. Yeah. So you think coding is going to be important?
1: See, I think the way that um, even I knew coding before, right, has changed a lot. So while you don't need to, and not all of us necessarily need to be coders in the future that knowledge, that understanding of how things work and how it powers up whatever we see on the surface, I think is important. Uh, beyond that as well is really communication. So for example, I do believe that, you know, for example, I don't code, but I need to communicate with my coder, right? And knowing what works, what doesn't work and going, being able to tell him instead of just insisting that, nope, this is how I want it, you just go ahead and, and code it out, right? Being aware of what the limitations, what the capabilities are of that code is actually important in building that relationship as well. So I do think that in the future, uh, whatever it is that you do for a living, that basic knowledge is essential. And also how we teach it um, at SmarterMe, it's not, we don't start off with Python, so we don't start off with syntax-based programming, but rather we start off with a visual block-based programming. So for a lot of kids and even a lot of adults, right, it's a little bit daunting looking at that black screen that you absolutely have no idea what, it, what it's all about and feeling that it's such a huge leap that you have to take in order to even gain that knowledge. But we start off using um, a visual block-based programming called Scratch, which is developed by MIT. And what it does is really it ignites that interest. It shows kids and teenagers that they are capable of creating something because in just you know eight hours uh, or so, they can come up with a simple game and just being able to see that, wow, this was a game that I used to play before and now I can actually code it out, I'm capable of that. Uh, and also throughout the process, there's a lot of logical thinking as well. So coding is a lot about math, right? So we use a lot of loops, we use a lot of logic if-then-else. And all this, I think, factors in um, throughout even your normal non-coding thinking, the way you think logically.
0: Yeah, I, I quite like that answer because if we go back to your first name and where um, although I did keep away from coding, I I grew up in an age when we used HTML yeah. directly to the screen. So now when I look at um, a WordPress website, yeah. um, I can make small adjustments. Mm-hmm. but also it allows me to be aware of the issues and the problems that a sort of a, a UX designer will have. Instead of saying you need to do this, mm-hmm. so you're expanding the the areas where teamwork and that that sort of um compassion that yeah. people need to have but yeah. although I don't do it and you're the expert I understand what issues we will have yeah, yeah that's yeah so you've um you've been when 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 were you founded or when did you get the company started
1: so i started working on it in 2016 yeah. uh, we launched early 2017
0: yeah and um how has your growth path been in that time
1: Huh? um it's been challenging. It's been exciting. Uh, We've also changed a little bit of our business model along the way. So when we first started out in 2016, we did operate a little bit more of a marketplace model. So we focused on all sorts of different enrichment classes, um, pairing kids and allowing them to find the best instructors for all their learning needs. And throughout that process, we really fine-tuned our offering. We realized what was it that was more essential. And I think in terms of you know, the growth has been great, right? So we do online classes, we do offline camps as well, and the take-up camp after camp have been improving. Um, So that's very encouraging. But I think ultimately, there's still a lot of mindset change that needs to happen, and I think that's why we are in this, because uh, it is not an easy journey, and I think that all parties, you know, in this whole parenting education equation, the teachers, the schools, the government, the parents, right, Need to come together um, and be able to switch their mindset and see to it that ultimately what our kids need for the future is different from what we needed.
0: So, whose mindset do you think you need to work on first?
1: I think ultimately it's parents. Yeah. Um, I do feel so simply because it, it's a bit, it's, it's funny, right? You know, as kids, especially when you go through the teenage years, a lot of teenagers. Become somewhat you know rebellious, perhaps they don't listen to the parents. But ultimately, who do they look up to the most? It's still their parents. A lot of them at this age, you know, when they're 15, 16, they're starting to think about what is it, what is it that I want to do for my future. And when you ask them that, the answers that they come up with, if they have thought of a profession before, and you did dig in the deeper, you know, why do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a banker? It's always the parents. Whether directly or indirectly. So I'm not faulting the parents at all. It's just that the parents could have made a passing remark that, oh, you know, a doctor is a great profession. Have you thought about that? And that could be well-meaning, right? Because the kid could have been lost, not knowing what they want to do. And the parents were just nudging them along. But that has a huge impact on the kid. And they carry that with them throughout the years that come. Even if throughout that process, they realize that, oh, I'm afraid of blood. I I don't actually want to be a doctor. But they're afraid of even telling their parents that or showing that sense of uncertainty. So I think it again boils back down to communication. I think as we are doing this, we are also seeking to really improve that communication between um, between teenagers as well as their parents.
0: So what message do you think parents should send to their children?
1: Uh, I think along, 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 a lot of self awareness, yeah. you see. With the millennial and the older generation, right, um, you see people start searching for a purpose or for a passion. And we're still in that process. It's going to become more and more prevalent in the future for our kids. There's no reason why parents and kids can't come together and do that together.
0: So what message do you send to your children?
1: Uh, So my two kids are very different. Uh, The younger one loves coding. The older one is more creative, more design. Ultimately, what we do is we just expose them to everything and help them discover what it is that they are, they, are, they are strong in and what they are interested in. Um, and ultimately, we support them throughout that. And for me personally, I share all my challenges with them. So whether or not it's doing the startup, um, challenges that I face, even when you know a, an employee resigns and I'm feeling a little bit down for the day, I will actually share it with them because I want to let them really see how is it that I face challenges daily as well and how I bounce back and how I think about it.
0: And do they support you? I mean, I mean, how old are you? you said 12 nine and… Nine and 12. Nine and 12. Yeah. So do they ever give you advice that works?
1: You know, the funny thing is that um, sometimes they do, but usually they ask. Yeah. They ask questions. They will ask you, why are you feeling like this? And it's a very pure curious question, right? But as they start prodding deeper and deeper, as they ask more, I find myself questioning myself more as well. And through that whole process, I find myself understanding myself better. So a lot of times it's actually reverse teaching. Um, so I don't seek advice per se from them. Sometimes it comes, but more often than not, that support that you get um, directly or indirectly, that's the most valuable part. And I think ultimately it's the sharing that's important. Yeah.
0: So we have another slide here that we can show. Um So can you just, this looks at um, addressable market. so can you just talk us through this?
1: Yeah, so when we form Smarter me, I mean, our main classes are actually conducted online. So it's all live online, which means it's kind of like a group Google Hangouts or a Skype call, but in a proper classroom setting. So at a fixed time every week, the student will log on, the, the teacher will log on as well, and they actually interact. The reason why we decided to go online instead of setting up a brick-and-mortar um, enrichment centre is because now while while I started out earlier saying how kids aren't really learning what they, are, they need to learn for the future, right? I think Singapore and Singapore children are already pretty blessed in the sense that there's a lot of great teachers here who can already teach the topic. But if you look at outside of Singapore, you look at Malaysia, you look at Indonesia, uh, you look at Bangkok, right? If you have parents there who are aware of what their kids need, yet they can't find the teachers, they can't find that skill set that's required. Um, traffic is also another big thing. And so by having our school online, we are able to reach out to a wider market. We are able to, more importantly, provide two things. One is accessibility, which is wherever you are, as long as you have internet connection, you can learn, right? Um, and secondly, affordability. By doing it online without rental, we are able to afford uh, offer our classes at half the price of what it is at a typical centre. And so... This addressable market is really our aim, right? Which is that if you look at um, Singapore itself, that's 250,000, Malaysia, that's 2.6 million, in Jakarta itself, that's 600,000. These are all our exact addressable market, taking into consideration English um, language proficiency, internet penetration rate. And so we are looking at the addressable target market of 1.5 million, right? And the way we see it is that this education is essential. Right for the future, and so we are looking to actually capture a target market of at least educating eighty thousand, equipping them with the skill set, heart set, and mindset for the future in the next two years.
0: So, what would be a typical day for a student enrolled on you? I mean, would they they have their normal, sort of three or no, nine till three lessons, and then how does your um, right. classes fit in with right. that, or or is it a replacement for?
1: No, no, it's not a replacement for So they still go to school as usual. It's just that after school. So we are a little bit more of an after school activity at the moment. Um, Obviously, I do think that it shouldn't be limited to being an after school activity in the future. But as of now, that is the case. So students are typically at home seven to nine. They come on, they log on to the class after their dinner.
0: How many days a week?
1: Currently, if you're enrolled for, for example, coding, it's once a week. So it's two hours every week. Yeah, and we do have different classes running on different days. Yeah, so
0: can you just talk us through what you would aim ideally for an ideal student?
1: An ideal student. So an ideal student would actually be enrolled in all four of our classes. Um, Or, and if not, even if they're enrolled in one or two, they'll be collaborating at some point or another with students from all the other classes, simply because... Ultimately, we want to um, equip our kids with holistic skill set, right? So a coder shouldn't, a student ju- shouldn't be just learning how to code. They should learn how to apply that coding or robotic skill set um, to, to des- and think in a design thinking manner. How do I use those skill set to actually solve a real world problem? How do I go out speaking to people, understanding their problems and then coming up with a solution for it? And so on one hand, one child could go through all four and master all four skills, or on the other hand they could decide that you know I still prefer coding and robotics I still like building and doing the actual coding but I'm happy working and I know how to collaborate with another student who could be more comfortable you know in a design setting for example
0: So the student would be so once a week or two times a week Yes so um, if you're
1: enrolled in just one class it's once a week Two classes twice a week.
0: Twice a week. uh, Four classes, four times a week. That's right. Do you think it could be too much? Because a lot of students, they use their mobile devices constantly. Mm. And then to do more work on...
1: So how we view it is that instead of taking away or controlling screen time, which is what a lot of parents are are obsessed with, right? How do I control screen time? We ask them, why can't we turn that screen time? Right, changing our kids from being consumers to creators instead of then spending that time, that one hour on YouTube. Uh, and they could be consuming good content anyway. They could be watching TED ad right? But can we use that one hour and replace it with one hour of learning instead? Similarly, you know, this is applicable across all sorts of topics and it's not just limited to them having to join our school, right? I mean, I, I absolutely think that if a kid likes watching videos, if they're interested in producing videos, and to be honest, many kids today do want to do that, they want to be creators, why not enrol them in a class where they can learn how to animate stuff, where they can learn how to create videos, so that they're not just purely consuming.
0: So you have an online class. Um, How do you, in the broader sense of education, how do you see the the future of the classroom? Or will there be a classroom in the future because I think, I mean, my background—I lecture face to face—and I think that can't be replaced. What do you think?
1: So, um, something exciting that you know we're we're re- we're working on at the moment is really. Number one is getting it out to as most students as possible, right? And that is achievable by making it online, basically self-paced learning. Because kids today, um, teenagers today as well, they're they're absolutely busy. They're swamped with school, but they always have that time at home where they can learn on their own. So we want to be able to incorporate and actually merge, um, create a hybrid model, really, where we combine self-paced learning with the offline learning. So for example, they could be doing four lessons on their own at home. And after every four lessons, we will have an in-person session, right? An in-person workshop where they now meet all their friends who've been going through the same class and actually test their skills where to see they if they... Where
0: would they meet those people?
1: Well, it could be in Singapore. Um, oh. There are locations in Singapore. It could be on a webinar as well. That could be another option, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the option to meet face-to-face yes. is that... I, I think that's, that's important. important. Yeah.
1: We, we do think it's important. Yeah. Ultimately... Um, like I said at the start of the show, right, which is that collaboration and communication is absolutely important and critical for the future. And that's how we can ensure that while they are learning on their own self-paced, which enables them to learn more, there has to be that component where they all come together and collaborate and communicate. And, and that's something we will facilitate. And that
0: would be at the camps? Yes, you that would be at
1: the camps. That could Camp. be at the weekend boot camps as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. So um, inter- how are you expanding? Are you looking for investors or are you... Uh, are you self-sustained in your growth?
1: So we do, um, we do have angel investors in the company at the moment. We are looking to fundraise, not actively yet, uh, but we are looking to fundraise in the coming months.
0: And how did you get the? Did you use your own money to get the company going? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so saving. we bootstrapped for a while. Okay. So did you have? You didn't have to sell anything. No, no. no. You just saved up and got yes. it going. Was that an easy process or? to to get it to make the decision to get going, (laughs) or because giving up your own job and then doing a start because the job would have been stable, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, Um, I I must say, you know, after being in banking for about ten years, it was it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, I had a very supportive uh, partner who really pushed me to a certain extent to actually take the leap of faith. Right, Um, so it wasn't an easy decision, but I think I reached that point in time when I was questioning myself as to what really was my purpose. And at that point in time, I realized that my purpose was really to inspire others. And I wasn't going to be able to do that where I was in banking. Um, no doubt it had been a great job, I would have still had a great career, but I decided that you know, if I really w- set my heart to be doing something else, there was, there's no better time. There's never an absolutely right time. Uh, and so I made the leap of faith at that time.
0: And are there, are there many co- competitors in your industry?
1: Um, There are many coding schools available in Singapore, the brick-and-mortar coding schools, who are doing great as well. Uh, But I think we are the only ones who actually offer this skill set and mindset and heart set all in one uh, on a platform that's so accessible um, at an affordable rate as well. And what makes us different as well is because we we, we strongly believe that ultimately whatever it is that you learn, it has to be relevant to the real world. And so we've brought in corporate partners who actually provide a challenge to the students and they complete it uh, after they go through you know the basic learning. So for as an example, for robotics, right, um, we partner with someone called Garuda Robotics who actually works with the government quite a lot. Um, They're they one of the leading drone uh, makers and solution providers. So they've actually crafted out a challenge for our students. So after six weeks of learning uh, robotics, our students will actually have to build a robot that meets the requirements of Garuda Robotics according to the challenge. So it's really exciting because the challenge is based on a real world problem.
0: So do they have to build a robot from scratch? They get their hammers and screwdrivers out or is it um, the code inside?
1: No, Mm. no. So with um, Lego Robotics, we actually use something called a virtual robotics world so they don't even need to buy the robot itself. They are building it um, on the computer. And that's great because while you don't feel it in hand, the truth is that robotic kits are expensive. They cost, you know, five to 600 per kit. Not many children, not many families are going to be able to afford that. So now kids are actually able to build a robot and program it to move on the virtual world.
0: So how do you, where do you see your company going for in the next six months?
1: So in the next six months, or, or rather the next 12 months, really, yeah. I think we're really looking to equip more and more kids with this skill set and a mindset. Uh, be it through our online courses, um, our hybrid courses, or our offline camps. I think ultimately, I want to make sure that it's not just the wealthy or the high-income kids who are able to afford all these future skills, but rather every children should get the opportunity to do so.
0: So for you, what are the major challenges to being an entrepreneur?
1: Major challenges. Well, there's yeah. many, and I think yeah. those aren't really unique. I guess the one biggest one which always happens is really finding the right team. Um, the right team who share the same purpose, share the same vision. Yeah.
0: So recruitment, is that recruitment? Recruitment yeah. is one. So how do you go about recruiting the right team? Because that's that comes up a lot.
1: Yes, uh, we, we do have to be very disciplined. And I think as entrepreneurs, and if you've struggled with hiring for a while, it's sometimes easy to just find the next one that says yes, right? And so it takes a lot to really just keep going at it, um, be disciplined and and saying no when you feel that you know, something just isn't right. So I think that's one. The other challenge that um, I think we face, but it's an exciting one, is really the mindset change. Every day we're brainstorming, how is it that we can help parents and help children see differently?
0: And how big is your team? How many how many people working in the company?
1: Uh, there's four of us at the moment. Four of you.
0: Yes. And... Do you, are you looking to expand that, on that?
1: Um, so before, in fact, I mean, for the longest time it was just me and the lead developer. Yeah. So we are already a 100% increase in, in the recent months. So I think we're okay for now, yeah.
0: And uh, how do you create your courses?
1: How do we create our courses? Yeah. Oh, so our courses are actually taught by a mixture of um, MOE teachers as well as practitioners. MOE? Uh, oh. Ministry of Education teachers, oh, okay, right? Yeah. So teachers who've been in the system for many, many years, who are experienced uh, teaching kids. Uh, we've also got practitioners on who have also had some education background and they teach out of passion, but really they're practitioners uh, by profession and we create the curriculum together with them. So all our curriculum are based on, for example, our robotics course is based on Carnegie Mellon Robotics Academy's curriculum. Our coding is based on um, Apple Swift Playground. Our design thinking course is of course based on Stanford E schools, right? Yeah, so we cu- we create the curriculum together with our teachers.
0: And has that been a challenge to, to get those people on board, or is it something that you, through your contacts, were able to do?
1: Um, We were able to do it through our context. I wouldn't say that it was absolutely easy because ultimately finding a teacher to teach isn't hard. It's finding the right teacher with the right passion, the right purpose, the right style um, that really fits what we want to do. That was the tricky part, but we were able to do so. I'm really happy with the teachers we have now.
0: And do you think you'll move into other areas of education or Mm. will you stick to the STEM?
1: No, no. Um, Mm. I think ultimately what we want to do is prepare them for the future, right? And it shouldn't be limited to this For absolutely not. So we've gotten requests um, to even teach things like financial literacy. So obviously being a b- ex-banker, that's something that you know I think is absolutely important as well and that's something that we will look to roll out in the future, teaching kids how to really understand money and invest in money more. I- isn't it funny how, you know, the moment we graduate from school, the first thing, what, what we are set out to do is earn money. Yeah. And yet, for the first 18 years of your life, you're not taught how to. No. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, that's one. Um, there are a couple more exciting things that we have in the pipeline, including digital design, um, also including eSports. Yeah. ESports? ESports.
0: That's, is, I think that might be your most popular course. That's gaming. Way, yes.
1: Yeah. I think it's also really changing mindsets rather than. So, if you're interested in, in gaming, for example, You don't have to be a professional gamer Um, similar to athletes right only the top five percent actually make it so it's the same in the gaming world but there are a lot of other roles in the industry you could be a esports marketer you could be an esports commentator you could be an esports manager as well so so that's how we're trying to really help kids bridge from their interest to something that they can actually see themselves doing in the future
0: and can you just tell me something about your partner i mean how Does your partner support you?
1: Okay, so my partner is my husband, right? Um, And he, in fact, he's running his own startup now as well. He left a very stable job. So he used to head up strategy and business development at uh, IHH, which is one of the world's largest healthcare company. And he left that job a year ago to also, number one, help out with SmarterMe, but number two, also launch his own startup, which is in healthcare. Uh, I think in terms of support, ultimately... We're the kind of couple that, you know, we we don't have boundaries in the sense that we don't say, okay, we work nine to whatever time it is. And the moment we go home, no work talk. Um, We don't set that. I think to us, we are both very passionate about what is it that we are doing. And to have a spouse, a partner really going through the same thing as me, uh, that's actually pretty valuable. But you have
0: more experience, don't you?
1: No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that because he, he knew what I was going through and he yeah. helped out a lot oh. despite having a full-time job, right? Yeah. He was fully involved in me while I was doing operations, but strategy point of view, he was always there. He's always there. So we can always bounce ideas off each other. We know each other's struggles. We know each other's strengths as well. So I think that's very helpful because um, I'm very clear what my strengths are. He's very clear what his strengths are and we know what each others are so we are able to balance that quite okay
0: and your friends and family or your maybe your your parents yes uh how how do they view what you're doing
1: (laughs) so uh well my 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 dad is no longer around he passed away when i was much younger uh my mom my mom was actually a teacher a retired teacher so of course when i left a very well-paying job to do this she was a little bit concerned And then when my husband left his job to do a startup as well, she was even more concerned. But I think ultimately, um, she's supportive. I mean, she says, you guys are still young? Do whatever it is that you see right. Um, And similarly, my parent-in-laws as well, they're very supportive. So every time we speak, they'll always be asking um, how the business is. And I think more importantly, instead of asking how the business is, with the hope of hearing a positive answer, they actually will tell us that, not to worry. It takes time to build a business. Just go at it.
0: Do they have experience of building a business?
1: Uh, my father-in-law yeah. ran a small business before in his past. Yeah. So he, he knows the struggles of what it is like being an entrepreneur.
0: And ultimately, if everything goes to plan and the business grows successfully, where do you see yourself in, say, five or ten years with the business?
1: Um, With the business, I mean, again... I, I would like to see it going global. I would like to see our content, our curriculum being adopted at on a personal level, you know, students or kids and teenagers globally, but also being used in schools as well. Yeah, I think a lot of schools are also still figuring out how do they incorporate all these future skills into their existing curriculum. And I would like to see us being partners with them, growing it throughout and making it global.
0: And where, Europe or the US or non-English-speaking countries, would that be?
1: I I think in terms of, we will still be focusing on Asia at the moment, um, and there will be a a lot of localization involved already, right? Because even Jakarta, while there's still a big English-speaking population, obviously, in order to make it big there, we need to localise it to Indonesia. Um, Same in Thailand. Uh, And I think the other two or three markets we'll be looking at is really um, Hong Kong, China, uh, Korea and Japan. And we're already seeing some interest from there. From? From those countries. Um, Yeah, yeah, sending their kids over to Singapore to really see how is it that education is being done here.
0: Okay, so thanks, Ealing Lim. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch?
1: So um, they can go to smarterme.sg. That's our website. Uh, And I'm also on LinkedIn under Lim Ealing.
0: Yeah, and we will be putting show notes, the links in the show notes, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we will. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you very much.